Love just is. So we got then we have to deal with that in our mind. It's like, okay. So you're telling me there's no absence of love here. That's right. I'm telling you there's no absence of love here. Just like I have to tell myself. Frequently, there's no absence of love here. Sometimes very frequently. Uh, you know, because I see something that is itchy. And what does an itch do? Makes you uncomfortable. I don't know anybody who's comfortable when they're itchy. And you know those itches, the ones that hit just in that spot in the back that you can't reach. You all understand, don't you, Brian knows right now. <laughs> However, Patricia can reach that itch sitting next to him. And it's, but it's that one, it's that itch, and you just can't reach it with your mind. It's that emotional, it's that spiritual, it's that longing that creates an itch. You know, we, I believe we all have a great longing to know God without a doubt, to know love without a doubt, to know life and the presence of all good without a doubt. Except we don't want to give up our doubts. It's my doubt that lets me go do things that are inappropriate, that are out of integrity, that are funny sometimes, at least to me. Uh, <laughs> it's that doubt that lets me maintain my chaos. Now, the thing is, we keep coming here. And we know, we know. So we have to, we have to actually maintain the doubt. We have to maintain the itch at this point because we know. Every one of us knows better. I was talking with a group yesterday about this holiday and the impending everything about this holiday. And a lot of people have issues with their families and a lot of people have issues with their friends and a lot of people have issues. And what I suggested to this group, and I was part of this group, but I was the speaker, and I said, be kind. First and foremost, be very kind to yourself. Be very generous of spirit with yourself. Be consciously aware of what you can currently cope with and what you're not prepared to currently cope with. Be very conscious of that so that you may step forward in love rather than guilt to say, I'm happy to be there, I'm happy to be in this conversation, or I'm not happy to be. And today is not the day for me to participate in this. Last night, David and I were looking to hook up something on the TV. He's a SAG voter, and we wanted to find these movies that he's entitled to online. And we could have watched them on his computer screen, on his laptop, but we want the TV. And I wasn't feeling so great last night. I canceled a party we were going to at the last minute. And, and I tried. I thought, oh, I can maybe give him this. We can watch these movies. And we only got to a certain point on one TV, and I was about to give up, but I saw the look on his face. I said, okay. And he said, can we try on the upstairs TV, the newer one? So we did. And we got to a certain point. And at a certain point, I said, you know, I'm done. I'm 
done for the night. I didn't yell at him. I didn't blame him. And, and I was so glad he said, okay. And so we had an evening of peace. We also went to bed at 8 o'clock at night, but that's beside the point. But I was done. I was done with that for the day, and I didn't have to be mad at anybody, and I didn't have to be guilty. And that's the love that is to me. David could choose however he wanted to be and feel, and I could choose however I wanted to be and feel. I didn't, but I didn't want to blame him because he wanted it. And I didn't want to take on guilt because I wanted it and couldn't figure it out. I just knew at a certain point, this is too hard for my mental state. Understand? <laughs> yeah, there are just some things that are too hard. And sometimes it's conversations that are just too hard in this moment for our mental state. And so we have to say, let's put this down right now and revisit it at a different time or find help. Find somebody who understands these things and can just juke, boom, boom. To do it, uh, you know, I thought that was a good snapper. Oh, good. I got my snapper back. Uh, this hand, I, I still have since the fall. I still can't do it here. And I, I'm out of practice with this one. And all that jazz I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, to come into the realization, thank you. To come into the realization that love is... Not that I have to get more love. Not that I'm bad because I don't feel the love. But to be kind. To be kind to ourselves and then to become kind to each other. If we all set down our guilt, because let us remember, as I've said so many times, guilt is not redemption. Guilt does not excuse our forgetting about love. Guilt does not take our wrongs and make them okay. Love takes our wrongs or our mistakes and lets us see them correctly. <coughs> and love lets us take others' mistakes and see them correctly. To see them with empathy. To see them with so much. It's only recently I've come to the understanding, as we all know, it's all part of a 12 step fellowship, that just because you're in a healing modality of some sort doesn't mean you're all there. And it doesn't mean everybody's all there. And I'm starting to learn more about mental illness and, have, and developing a greater compassion for mental illness. And it doesn't mean I feel sorry. Doesn't mean I pity anybody. But I, I, I don't know if you've come to this understanding yet. Everybody else isn't where I want them to be. Where I would like them to be. And let me tell you where I'd like all of you to be and all of them. I'd like you all to be in a place where I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> I would like you all to shift just enough so that I don't ever again have to experience discomfort. All I want for Christmas is you guys to shift enough so that I never, and all of them, you'll talk to all of them, whoever they are, uh, that I don't, it, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if everybody did that for us? 
and maybe we'll do it for everybody else too, or is that just my mental illness speaking? Uh, mental illness is not being spiritually bereft, but it is sometimes being confused. It is having forgotten who we are. I have forgotten who I am. I've forgotten who you are. Some, some people have forgotten. I grew up with people who didn't even know I was there in the room. I grew up except as an inconvenience sometimes. I'm not mad at those people anymore. Because I know I'm in the room. Do you know you're in the room? Every room you're in, do you know you're in the room? And you don't have to defend that. I mean, every now and then I do have to, I find, I don't have to, I, I find the need to say, hello, other people here. <laughs> once in a while, once in a while he'll turn off a light. I'm in the room and he turns off the light. And it's like, hello, other people here. <laughs> it might be the only time you turn off a light. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness, because I'm not hurling it with hatred anymore. I can make, I can laugh at it at this point. But it, it's a, I'm in the room, and you're in the room. You're in the room, and you're in the room. Whatever room you're in, you're there. Wherever I am, there I am. I don't have to know what it means that I'm in this room. I don't have to know what it means that you're in the room, but could I be consciously aware of love so that I don't have to judge the room, that I don't have to hate the room? And I use strong words sometimes because that's what the underlying thought is. I hate this room. I hate this day. I hate you and I hate me in it. Because I'm afraid of what I think, and I'm afraid of what I feel, and I'm afraid, and I've forgotten that love even is. Bless you. I have forgotten that love is a reality. I've forgotten that love is God. I have forgotten. And then sometimes I remember, <coughs> and I think to become to myself, to the people driving down the street, no matter how they're driving. I remember to be kind. I remember Eric Butterworth saying, wave them through and watch them smile. Mm -hmm. Because what's the difference if they get through before I do when it comes down to it? What's the difference? I'm not competing with these people. I don't know most of them. And if it was somebody I knew, they'd probably be waving me through and watch me smile. But to wave everybody, go ahead, go ahead. I'll get there within seconds after you do, wherever there is, wherever I'm going. So why do I have to get through? I don't have to, except when I forget. And that's the only time. Imagine that. The only time you'll ever live in chaos are the moments you forget about love. The only time you will ever be poor are the times you forget about love. The only times you will ever not be loved are the times you forget about love. 
And I know the conditions we put on life. Well, I'm not loved if this happens, and I'm not loved if this happens. And and I and we're not saying those words, but we're treating ourselves and the world like that. If I have this amount of money, I'm loved. If I have this amount, I'm not loved. If this person looks at me this way, I'm loved. If this person looks at me this way, I'm not loved. If this is easy, I'm loved. If it's not easy, I'm not loved. If they do it wrong, I'm not loved. So many people I know have declared the good of God on the easy days. And where did God go on the hard days? Where did love go on the hard days? Do you think it went to your neighbor? Do you went to somebody else? Or is it just a hard day? Is it just simply hard to do this? It's hard to be me in this situation. It's not bad to be me. And there's no absence of love. And I, I really suggest that we begin to insist. Like when we see ourselves forgetting, when we see ourselves getting fuzzy, there's no absence of love here. It is not possible for there to be an absence of love. Does anybody disagree? Does anybody think it's possible for there to be an absence of love? Okay. I understand there's an absence of niceness. There's an absence of the good use of wisdom. There's even an absence of the correct use of love. Sometimes. But there's not an absence of love. I don't know what anything means. I wish I, wish I did. I think I would be more comfortable... If I if I knew what every bless you what everything meant, but I might not like what it means if I found out what it meant. Anybody? You know, you might find oh, I didn't know it meant that. I don't like that. I thought it meant this. Have you ever, ever had somebody come and confront you on something you said or wrote, and you didn't mean that at all? <laughs> that was uh, the, I I. I've, I've had people say, you, well, you wrote that. I had that tone when I wrote it. I was like, no, I didn't. I, I, I like to tell this story many years ago. So a former board member who's not part of the community anymore sent me these papers about prayer in the workplace. And I, I, and I, and I thought, this is, this is a lovely article. And I wrote back, dear Ms. Somebody, uh, <clears throat> thank you for your suggestions, but I really don't believe in prayer in the workplace. But thank you. Sincerely, Reverend Sean Moninger. <laughs> I meant that to be funny. <laughs> but people take me seriously. <laughs> Three weeks later, this person comes to me and says, can I talk to you before church? I said, sure, what's up? And they said, I'm so upset over it that you wrote this back to me. I said, what do you mean? I can't believe you don't believe in prayer in the workplace. <laughs> I said, what? And she said, what? You, you told me you don't believe it. I said, it's a church and I'm a minister. How can I not believe in prayer in the workplace? So when have I ever addressed you as Ms. and not your first name? And when would I ever say Reverend Shaw Moninger? She said, I've been talking about this in therapy for three weeks. Oh. I told my husband I was going to have to leave the church. And I thought, oh. Now that says more about her than it does me. 
But I learned, oh, people take me so seriously. It's happened since little things like that. I'll write something back that I think is funny. I can't put humor in writing. I just can't. As the minister, as Sean, I can't because, oh, it sets off people's childhood. And it, 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 does, not, it does not land well, let me tell you. Uh, somebody else left, did leave the church. Uh, I forget, she was saying something out loud, and I said, it's, it, it, I said, it's, it's on TV, I can hear you. <laughs> she, you attacked me in church. And she left. Her, her husband first called me and said, she's devastated, can you please call her? I said, what are you talking, what's she devastated about? That you attacked her. I said, I never attacked her. I said, something funny. And I, uh, she, uh, I got her on the phone, I said, and she said, well, you were, you were so mad at me. I said, what? I wasn't mad at you. Why would I ever be mad at you? You're lovely. She went, I am? A lot of people here don't know that I like them. <laughs> a lot of people here don't know that I have a very high regard for them. <clears throat> there is no pedestal for the Reverend Sean, believe me. There's not a one I won't knock myself off of if you push me. And you push me lightly. You don't have to push me hard. Push me, I'll fall off the pedestal. But it's, and, and so what it says is so many people are telling them, I'm not loved. I'm not loved. I'm not worthy of love. I love when people say, say things like, oh, oh that, you know, I hate this crap. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> they will apologize to me for saying crap in front of me. It's like, Facebook. Uh, <laughs> that to me, uh, that just means garbage. That means trash. Something that that's not a swear word to me. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. It's a. You've been to my act. You have seen my act in New York. That's like uh, suddenly we're going to apologize in the church. I don't use those words here because it's not appropriate for me to do that. And I don't use them in many com private conversations with people from the church. Because I know people will forget they are loved. Now, I forget that I'm loved sometimes. And I say things that inevitably hurt somebody's feelings. And often I met it as funny, but it's still, it, it, it was a lapse on my part in my memory who and what I am as God's beloved child. And I try not to hold it against others who forget they are God's beloved child. I can be pushed too far, but not very often. Somebody really has to go out of the way. I've only known a couple of people over the years who have really, really pushed, 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 to where I said, I can't. We're not going to have a relationship anymore. You're welcome to come here, but I'm not a punching bag. And so to wake up to that and say, oh, but that doesn't mean they're not lovable, and it doesn't mean they're not worthy of the kingdom. Because if they are not worthy of the kingdom, I'm not. I can't afford to not be worthy of the kingdom, can you? Can anybody here afford to be unworthy of the kingdom? Fine. Then quit trying to hold over anybody else, not everybody else, but anybody else out of the kingdom. In your mind, you cannot hold anybody else out of the kingdom. It doesn't mean they won't get in the kingdom, but it does mean you won't. As long as you are declaring an absence of unity with your brothers and your sisters, and I don't just mean in your church, I mean in your world. 
as long as you or I declare an absence of unity. I get it. We do things that annoy each other, but it doesn't make us not one. And our annoyances do not make us actually separate. But if in my mind I keep insisting we are separate, I don't get into the kingdom. I want in. 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 I am promised the kingdom and all that the kingdom entails. Now, I don't know exactly what the kingdom is, but I like the sound of it. To me, what the kingdom represents is perpetual correct perception. The kingdom represents understanding all the time. Not explainable understanding, but a direct knowing. The kingdom is being able to look at everyone in the eye with love. The kingdom is to be able to laugh at something and know it has no meaning. The kingdom is the realization that I am good and I am one with. Those are the things I'm making up about the kingdom right now. <laughs> I like those meanings. I like those vi visuals. And so, every time I declare separation, and that can be silently in my mind, it can be on the highway, it can be in my home, it can be in my church, it can be in the mall. Every time I declare a separation, that I declare someone as less than good. We're not talking about behaviors, we're talking about identities. Talking about what they are, not who they behave as. Every time I declare this one's bad, this one's bad, this, I forget my unity. And every so I look in the mirror and I say, Oh, this one's bad. I'm looking in the mirror and saying, This one's bad. And that there's no love for this one. This one is unworthy of love. I may be calling this one another name. I look on the TV and the news and what have you and the mall and the highway. But I'm actually looking at this one. This is the mirror. I don't want to call this one bad anymore. And I don't want to call this one unworthy of the kingdom. I don't want to forget anymore. I'm going to read something to us all. What I want to do is be kind. <laughs> Books available in the bookstore. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4. There is one mind and one spirit, and so there is one body and then Christ. This means there is no separation between thought and effect. All is one within the Son of God. Therefore, give as you would receive. Give to the mind that which you would receive of spirit, for they are one. That which you give, you must receive. You hear that? That which you give, you must receive. So what are you giving? What am I giving? I have to look at it as clearly as anybody. What we give, we must receive. For they are one. Oh, there we are. Give to the mind that which you would receive of spirit, for they are one. That which you give, you must receive, because the mind is the spirit. The mind is the great receiver and spirit the great deliverer. 
But spirit receives as mind receives, and mind delivers as does spirit. And then we go over here to 1 John chapter 4. And it says here, fear disappears within the awareness of love. Because within the awareness of love, there is also the knowledge that there can never be anything to fear. We love because we are love. And love is all that we are capable of. To love God is to know God. And to know God is to love all things because all things come from God, which is love. To not love is to believe in falsehood. This is merely misperception. Since all that is, since all that is, is all that is. And all that isn't, never was. And so, not just for this season, but to use this season as a reminder forever and ever and ever. To look around your life and to remember that I want to remember God. I want to remember love. When I get in my car today, I plan to remember love, not fear. When I become competitive anywhere that is not agreed upon, like in a game of checkers, <laughs> but when I com become competitive on I-95, on Merritt, on Main Street, what I'm declaring is I'm afraid and I'm unloved. Whether you know it or not, that's what you're saying. When I compete in the world, for no good reason, I'm declaring I'm afraid and I'm unloved. But follow that up with, it is impossible to be unloved. It's possible to feel unloved. It is impossible to be unloved. God is love. And I am what God is. God is love. And I am what God is. Can we say that together? God is love, and I am what God is. Let's say it again. God is love, and I am what God is. And one more time. God is love, and I am what God is. And so it is. Thank you.